I'm also a lost boy. Here, let me just give you a bit of a, uh, let me give you a sound bite. I too am a lost boy. I'm currently in a, hold on. I feel like a lost boy myself in this moment, especially given coronavirus and my inability to uh, connect with uh, my peers and loved ones in a face-to-face manner. Not only, uh, not only am I a lost boy in that regard, but I'm a lost boy in, uh, you know, in I think in a moment of career transition. Mm. Well, cut, cut. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very. Uh, oh fuck. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Lost Boy Academy. Today, I spoke with Brant, who is uh, my sister's partner, a really cool guy, and he's also a producer in the film industry. We spoke about his experience in living in New York and L.A., um, how he entered the production industry, the pros and cons, and also how his experience in the industry and also time created due to the coronavirus have given him an opportunity to reach in touch with his interest of becoming an architect which he always had that was a really good conversation and i hope you guys enjoy it Okay, well, thanks for uh, coming on to the episode or to the show. Um, I know that we've uh, we usually almost almost every day or every other day at least talk for like an, about an hour uh, with Alice, of course. Um, but it's kind of it's nice to uh, just have you um, on the guest and just have a one-on-one conversation and hope to get to know you better and maybe and maybe um, ask you to share what's on your mind and maybe through our uh, just our regular conversation um, uh, I myself and some of the listeners might be able to relate to your uh, experience um, and get inspired uh, and whatnot Uh, so yeah um, just kind of right off the bat um, you are you're born and raised in New York right uh born in new york city and raised in the suburbs outside of it suburbs okay and your parents are from new york as well uh my father is from the the border between long island and queens and my mother is from uh, a small town in massachusetts that's probably like i don't know an hour or so um i see west of boston Okay. So you didn't grow up in uh, the city city. I didn't grow up in the city, but I grew up, um, I grew up uh, about, I guess, you know, 45 minutes outside Mm -hmm. of Midtown Manhattan. Um, I see. I grew up along a train, like a commuter train line. Um, Mm. So not a, not like a subway or not like a, a, a city Metro system but uh you know a commuter train line which provided me access to um to the city from a young age whether it be for you know sporting events or museums how, how or long is the, how long is a train ride from your uh, uh in the suburbs to the city 
it was it varied but um it was probably anywhere between like depending on whether or not you got an express it was anywhere from like 38 minutes to oh, like okay. an hour and oh. change so that's um, like that's like uh or my house is in tokyo kind of yeah kind of i mean it's similar it's similar in its um proximity to um you know like the mm. urban metropolis but um i would say i mean and again i've explored kunitachi a bit obviously mm. not as much as you and alice in your lifetimes but um um kunitachi uh has a bit more of a uh it's a bit more densely densely populated than where in, I grew in, up. I in terms of up. like in terms of like location though like kunitachi to let's sure. say shinjuku yes. tokyo distance wise yes yes i see um, okay yeah cool and um yeah so i mean it was nice growing up there honestly because uh mm. um you know as a kid you like it was just nice to be you know to have outdoor space mm. to play and explore and yeah you know enjoy with friends and you know obviously as you become older and um, you know, you, 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 you long for, you long to be in the urban setting, but, um, still, I think it's a good balance, honestly, between, um, I mean, say what you want about suburbia. It's definitely got its shortcomings, but, mm. um, and which I would definitely agree with, especially given, uh, yeah. I'm reading a book now that, that talks about this kind of, but, um, but, you know, for, for its shortcomings environmentally and, and uh socially even maybe um mm. culturally uh what you gain and like the access to nature and the outdoors yeah. i think in with that in relation to the proximity to yeah. you know culture and, and art and that's interesting because when i i also nice. kind of lived in the suburban tokyo which is I, I you know obviously like a little different from suburban in new york uh or maybe the scene's pretty different but yeah, as a kid, I always, um, I envied the city life, uh, mm. and, you know, little did I know how much, um, of a playground space I had compared to those uh, kids living in the city. But now that I, I live in like the center center of Tokyo, I really started to appreciate where my, uh, the location of uh, where my actual home is, uh, in that outside area of Tokyo. Um, but yeah, it seems like you, you were kind of aware of, uh, you, you did appreciate as a young age of living in the suburbs. Um, um, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, uh, I think I had a similar experience to you mm. maybe um, in that, like, yes, when I was young, I mean, I was, I appreciated it. Um, but you know, and then as like a, as an adolescent and a mm. preteen, I guess, so to speak, I still was appreciating it, but then, but also like, at that age starting to, you know, have independence to, you know, the age of, you know, 11, 12, 13, you know, mm -hmm. taking the train, meeting my father in the city, um, you know, um, you know, and experiencing that mm -hmm, is, mm -hmm. I still, I think appreciated living in the suburb, but I think as I grew older, mm -hmm. you know, teenage high school years, like the charm of, the suburbs kind of wore off for me and I definitely started to feel um uh envious of I see. you know the many friends that I that I'd made over over the years like who lived in the city and spent I see countless uh 
countless nights, you know, sharing beds and crashing on couches, um, to say the least. I see. Um, yeah, but then now, uh, I think, is this your second year living in LA? Uh, yeah, it's our second year here, I guess. Mm. Uh, it's probably been, we moved here in September of 2018. So it's mm-hmm. been, I guess, like a year and nine months, um, or so. I see. Um, I see. Yeah. And I guess, um, I mean, I've only visited LA, uh, once, uh, back in last year when I visited you and Alice and, mm. you know, you grew up in New York and it's, it's, I mean, it's a pretty cliche comparison between LA and New York, but definitely. you know, like you, like you just explained about living in, you know, suburban New York and also enjoying, enjoying life in the city, taking the Metro 40 minute commute and, mm. You know, I'm sure LA is just completely different too. Uh, uh, the, the scene is really different, and yeah, just you know, as a New Yorker, like, or as as you, as a person, like, how are you uh, liking or disliking? Or what's your experience like in living in LA for the past two years? Um, I mean, I guess as a as a New Yorker, northeastern, mm. you know, East Coaster my the you know the, the quickest way to for me to describe la coming from that context is that la mm. fucking sucks but it's really nice you know there's a trade-off right like you know in new york and on the east coast you have much more um you know much more densely populated mm. cities and towns and and you know the cities themselves are closer together right i mean think about yeah. you know how close new york is to philadelphia or mm. even dc for that matter or even larger even cities in new jersey trenton you know trenton newark like these are there are cities that are very close to each other whereas if you think about let's just take california for example like i mean certainly there are cities between los angeles and san francisco but they're much smaller um and the distance between los angeles and san francisco is pretty great um um, so um you know that's it. But, but, but with the trade, the trade officers, at least in Southern California, I mean, and on the West side of Los Angeles, uh, it's always nice. I mean, yesterday I think was the first overcast day in weeks, if not a month or two. I mean, usually it's a bit overcast in the morning, but by like noon, it's 75 degrees Fahrenheit and sunny. And, you know, that has a serious, has a profound, I think, effect on your mental um, or at least on my mentality and the way that I approach life. I mean, so I think there are trade-offs per, you know, talking personally, like for me, there are certainly trade-offs. Like I don't see Los Angeles particularly as a place that I would settle long-term, but I do think it's like a very great, it's a good experience. It's a, it's forced to me be, to become, I guess, a little bit more introverted. Um, I, uh, which I think is, uh yeah i mean i think in general in la it's like a lot harder to just you know obviously the longer you time the longer you spend here the more deeper your roots start to grow um socially i guess speaking um but you know and i certainly had friends who lived here before i came and i've had friends who i've made since i've been here and i have friends who've moved here since i've come um but even still like the, when, you know, when a friend lives an hour or an hour and 15 minute drive away and you have to drive, you can't take the train Mm -hmm. or, you know, or the bus. Um, 
I see. It's kind of uh, it's tricky because it it, it you know it it allow it, it sort of you have to plan a lot more um, mm. in Los Angeles. You know, plan your social and your and your cultural outings um, a lot more than you would in in a in a city that has a better public transportation system. Mm. Um, and um, so I think it just has a there's like a you know people are more flaky here because they oh, are like so? ah, i don't really want to like yeah. drive you know like I just, I just i'm like i would rather not drive across town to see you so yeah, i'll just come makes... up with an excuse as to like i'm not you know right, uh, I'm just right trying to have right. a chill night in or blah 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 or like we made plans like loose plans and huh. but i mean either that's 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 like a small factor of it i mean i do like los angeles yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah but um in terms of like settling in an urban landscape, it's not mm-hmm. really like, it almost doesn't really feel like a city. You know, it feels like many smaller cities or like sprawling suburbs um, over a pretty vast, uh, um, even even va- like just a large body of land that has honestly pretty, like a large variety of uh, different um, mm-hmm. like, biospheres almost you know like you got the you, desert you got the ocean you got the mountains um which is and, cool really right. cool and that is really nice and like the, there are things about los angeles that i appreciate but mm. in a way it's it's a it's a failed city i mean i think they're trying to like um you know in recent years i think that you know with you know the improvements they're they're slowly trying to improve train lines and buses and whatnot mm. and i think that's trying to attract um younger millennial type and and you know creatives and just just younger people they want to i think there's like a big push to try and get the younger people to move here and Mm. i think that the younger people um are willing to because of how amazingly beautiful it is here but i think that there's a big you know and certainly people have i think always you know for decades and um and even more so in recent years but i think that there's certainly a um a barrier for some who don't drive or yeah 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 they might drive but they don't really they don't really they don't see the the point in owning a car when you have ride sharing programs and stuff and such so in um, LA. yeah i mean uber I lyft yeah, um you yeah, know car true. share any sort of other car turo car sharing programs you know like mm, or a train i mean mm. ideally you have you'd have mass transit so um but yeah la is not bad um you uh won't settle but we'll be here for a little bit longer right you kind of mentioned that um like a few few minutes ago that uh, the longer uh daylight here um has kind of given you more opportunities to for you to do certain activities that kind of match with your lifestyle or your uh, uh it's better if you're meant you know you said mentally and mm. um and 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 in and what way like what 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 is your like uh certain uh lifestyle that uh, you you currently value or uh certain activities mm. that you do that kind of keeps your mental well-being kind of sane definitely um i mean i think that uh Well, compared to compared to living in New York, I mean, granted, there was like lifestyle differences that were present in New York that that weren't present here. Mostly, just having a full time job 
and everything that comes from that. Um, but like, for example, you know, I was not, I was very rarely cooking for myself. I mean, on the weekends, yes, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, probably also going out to dinner on the weekends with friends and like using that as a social moment or like yeah. having a dinner party with friends, you know, or just, you know, with roommates or whatever. But for the most part, like I also would be work on the, during the week, it's like I would eat out for lunch, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. eat out for dinner because I just didn't have the time and I would be working so long and so late. And by the time I got home at 8.39 mm. PM, like I just didn't have the energy to cook. Um, so it's a bit of, you know, I've, I've in, in my move to Los Angeles, I became a freelancer or I just, you know, I, I, I was looking for a full-time job and nothing really came, nothing, nothing presented itself that I thought was worthwhile really. And I knew I that I could probably get enough work to sustain myself in a freelance capacity. And I have, I mean, you know, obviously the mm -hmm. global pandemic is kind of putting a, uh, a, uh, a wrinkle in that, but I mean, for the best because I didn't really love that industry anyway I think as we've as we've discussed but um, you know this is all to preface um, the lifestyle changes that I've had in coming to Los Angeles which I think are you know some of it is because I have a different life I'm leading a different life right, objectively right. than I was in New York but you know in you know while living here like I've sort of rediscovered playing soccer which is something that i did from when i was you know five till 22 like anywhere from like two to six days a week you know um okay, okay. and that was something that was like a humongous part of my life up until right. i finished um college and then pretty much from when i finished college or when i finished playing soccer in my in my senior year in the fall um I just just stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stopped playing soccer. I stopped working out. I stopped doing. You know, I just was burnt out. I think from yeah, playing, and yeah, so yeah. I kind of put it down for a while, and and didn't really. I don't re regret it or resent it. I think I kind of needed to do that to like mm. dive into, um, you know, pursuing a career, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um so you know i could probably count on one or two hands the number of times i played soccer from the ages of 22 till 26 or 27. Are, are there a lot of like i mean obviously you're working you know in new york so it was a lot difficult to have secure some times to sure. play soccer but you know i mean i guess if you're also freelancing and let's just say new york and have you know more free time uh do you think are there like a pickup scenes for soccer in, in the city oh, yeah in the city definitely huh. definitely yeah for I sure see. i mean I, see. I i would say i know those pickup i know I, I i played i mean i to say i didn't play it was a bit of an overstatement but i mm -hmm. but i knew where they were i like there was there's definitely a ton of pickup in new york um and like sure. in the, the suburban area or like even in like in the city oh no in the city itself oh, yeah, okay. the, i mean there's fields all throughout new york so i mean huh. pretty much on any night of the week you can find pickup mm -hmm. games i mean especially I mean, the mecca of pickup soccer in New York, I would mm -hmm. say if you talk to pretty much anybody, um, is Pier 40 in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, really every night of the week. I mean, they have leagues that play, but usually on the roof there isn't a league and small-sided. But, I mean, it's like every night of the week you can, even in the winter, okay. people are shoveling the snow off there and, and still playing, you know, five or mm -hmm. ten aside. Um, 
and like uh, first goal, first to two goals, mm-hmm. and the next mm-hmm. next team comes on or whatever. Um, and honestly, it's always that's what I'm saying. If you talk to anybody, I would say most people would tell you that that probably has the best cal- like quality pickup in New York. Like you have ex college players, ex pros current high school kids who are good, you know, current, mm. current college players in their off time, you know, club kids. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a ton of pickup in New York. I um, see. I see. And so, but anyway, yeah. So I just, I picked up playing soccer while I moved to, I picked that back up when I, when I moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and I really like dove deep into yoga, which I hadn't oh, done okay. in a formal way. Um, I'd never really like, Formal. I mean, I'd obviously done a few yoga sessions here and there. Yeah. Um, and then like throughout my time playing soccer, there's a lot of like a lot of stretching and whatnot. That's very yeah. similar to yoga. Um, but I'd really dove deep into that in a more formal way when I came here. Um, and the thing about LA too, is that like, because you're constantly in your house or yeah, maybe I don't know, at somebody else's house or a social thing or whatever you're where, like, essentially like it, you're either where you're, you're where you are and yeah. however you got there, you drove most right. likely. That I mean, that was like the whole like concept of LA, right? When they built the city, I guess like everyone, right. it's like a kind of like a futuristic. Uh, yeah. City. Postmodern thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so because you're always either at the place that you're at or you're driving to get there, it's not like a, a a public transit city where you have to walk from to the train station, from the train station, you know, to the corner store, like, I mean, you know, to the grocery, wherever, like, that's just like walking is not part of your commute in Los Angeles. So it, I think it forces you, mm. if you have any inclination towards exercise, it certainly forces you to do that because if you don't, you'd really are just not going to exercise at all. So um that those those two things became pretty big um yeah yeah and then but also in terms of you know in terms of like my mental or like my routine and my like Mm. keeping my body healthy and and then on top of that i mean i think i've you know to circle back again to the like eating portion um you know not only living with alice but also like not having a full-time nine to five you know job or nine to five ten to yeah whatever whatever um is forced mm. or has allowed me to cook my own you know food and meals um again which is something that i really enjoyed doing right. and also is you know obviously much healthier because you have a lot more control as to what you're putting in your body and then and then on top of that i think that like the the access to produce like fresh produce mm. um you know is much better here because it all comes from here, you know, or Mexico. Mm. Um, I mean, certainly that's not the case, like across the board, like there's certainly Mm. other parts of the country and world that produce food, but for the U like, I just think it's like the same piece of kale that I ate yesterday, like would probably, you know, it'll, it'll make it to New York in like a week. And like that difference makes a difference, you know, like that time is like, it just, you can taste it, even just from your local tiny, you know, your Ralph's or your kind of, you know, bargain supermarket, like the same, it's not any different in terms of like the quality of it, but it's just so much fresher that it really tastes so much better. And I think it's probably better for you, but I don't really know. I mean, I'm it sure. feels like it's better for me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, and then, you know, the farmer's markets here are really solid too, because you have all the small, smaller local 
farmers who are looking for outlets to to sell their goods and Mm -hmm. you know we definitely take a good you know we take advantage of that so i mean yeah i mean la is definitely and i wouldn't be the i would probably not wouldn't be the first person to say this and i wouldn't probably be the only person to say this but you know la has a very it's notorious for its health Mm. uh focus i mean you you know you like for the most part when you go out and around like you people i mean it's also it's because it's this city it's like the city of of uh kind of people are vain here you know like it's the city of hollywood it's like entertainment it's media mm-hmm. it's 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 all that so like people are a lot a lot of the people here are trying to make it so to speak i mean it's so they are also invested in looking good and like a part of this whole city, which I don't really like Mm -hmm. is like when you walk into an establishment um, and, or you walk across, you know, you're in a house party and you walk across the room. If it's, you know, like people are always sort of sizing you up to see if you are somebody they should be like paying attention to. And like, if someone, if you're like, you're like someone that they should know. Yeah. 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 and, but it's this weird thing where it's like, they don't actually say anything to you. They don't like say hello. They just like look at you and then like look away. Whereas like Depending in New York, it's like, like what you're wearing. Yeah. What you're wearing or just like, yeah, if they like think they might recognize your face or something because you work in the industry. Um, whereas in New York, like people are just, it's weird. People say like New Yorkers aren't friendly. Hmm. Um, but I think that that's like, I just don't think that that's true. I think that like, I yeah. think that like people have to, it takes time for people to get used to the abrasive, like yeah, yeah, upfront I mean, nature of New Yorkers where it's yeah. like in LA, I think I've said this to you before where it's like in LA, hello means fuck you. And in New York, fuck you means hello. Like people are much more mm. in New York. Like you, you have to be, is there just moments where you have to engage with other people? Like they're not, getting out of the way or they're not, you know, they're, they're like standing mm-hmm. in the way or they're, they're not, you know, there's space on the train that you need to like, and you're trying to squeeze you in. And whereas in LA, like you, it's this weird postmodern concoction of like everybody in their own car, their own house, mm-hmm. you know, their own, their small gym, you know, whatnot. And so like when they're forced to interact and engage with people, it, there's this weird like facade, invisible facade that, I think sometimes huh. comes up and I, I mean, it, it's all circles into like the, like the culture of this city in, in it's, in it's, you know, because it's so deeply rooted in like the entertainment field. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure how I got here, but, but, um, right, right. but um, I guess lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh it's nice i i like la it's a good mm-hmm. stop off um okay sure. well yeah um i guess uh you kind of mentioned about um you know your job in new york and after that being a freelance and moving to la mm. um and i guess you know you moving from new york to la also kind of um uh I don't know if it was planned or not, but you also experienced a different form of a, a working style as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I want to, you know, hear from you is, I guess, the period after graduating from college 
mm. until now and ha- how um, it's been for you. Um, mm. Maybe if that's for me, I graduated maybe yeah, two and a half years ago and it's not mm. uh, much long ago, but since you've experienced, I guess you're three, four years older than me, um, you might have mm. something more to reflect on. And since I'm currently in this midst of uh, kind of, uh, still experiencing this, you know, transition from college to uh, working life, um, not as a freelance, but uh, just living that nine to five lifestyle, and I'm still um, taking it in. Um, but yeah, um, how? Um, so you you after you graduated from college, um, and you you worked in a production company uh, for a few years in New York. But how did that how did that journey kind of all uh, begin uh, were you like were you looking for a job already when you're in college or you graduated and um yeah how did it all happen for you um well i was looking for work when i was in college trying mm-hmm. to set myself up didn't really find anything mm-hmm. um and so when i came home from college mm-hmm. i uh, you know, I had a, I just had, honestly, I, I, I pieced together, mm-hmm. I guess three, three different part-time jobs, um, that I was working at the same time. One was coaching a soccer, a middle school soccer team. Okay. One was working, um, at this, this was still when my family was living in Croton, New York, um, mm-hmm. outside of the city. Um, uh, so one was working and coaching the, the middle school soccer team of the, uh, school district. One was, um, there's this really good uh, ice cream store mm-hmm. called the Blue Pig um, that I was essentially I was working at and man- helping to manage. And also, she does. I mean, it's you know, it's ice cream, but it's also she has soups and and lunch and whatnot. And um, you know, she grows a lot of her own ingredients. And so I was helping her. I was helping do a lot of like the prep cook stuff okay. for that. So helping her cook the soups and you know, um, helping with the ice creams a little bit. But that was. Did you, did you like already know the, the person working there or you just kind of showed up and like, so. uh, I think, well, both at time, I, I mean, you know, at, at different times, honestly, mm. two of my younger siblings actually had worked for this ice cream okay. store. So, um, you know, there was a connection. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, I think she, 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 she needed somebody to come in and help out. And so I did. And, uh, and then the third job was working for this um, like semiotics company, which is like a semiotics is I guess the 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 like the language and the study of la- how of of the the language of imagery and images. And essentially, it was like a a job that was like sourcing images for you know like for example like find fifty movie posters hmm. that symbolize family happiness or huh. family, whatever. I mean, that's just one example, but uh, that was a, kind of a cool job. I mean, it was definitely like, you know, kind of at my own pace for a lot okay. of it. Um, and so I did those three jobs from about, I guess, you know, June till uh, end of October. And then I flew mm. to Japan and spent three months in Japan, mm. as mm. you know, and then three months traveling. Um, around mm-hmm. backpacking around Southeast Asia. Um, uh, you know, during which I, while in Japan, I worked at a bar 
in Fukuoka. Right, right. And um, I, the, that, that last job, the semiotics job, was a remote job. So I just kind of continued it okay, okay. as much as I could while I was there. Um, and then also traveling in Southeast Asia a bit. Um, and then I got back to New York mm. in May or so of 2015. Mm. My parents were pretty much on the, on the verge of if they, if they hadn't already sold the house that I grew up in, they were like about to, mm-hmm. um, and it had already moved, um, and taken a sublet on a, an apartment in, um, Morningside Heights in Manhattan Mm. and um so essentially like when I when I came back to New York Mm. I pretty much like the the house that I grew up in was like kind of already no longer I mean it wasn't because you know there was like still a few months but I was pretty much I moved back to New York it was kind of crazy um I see um and so from there I kind of like just kind of gigged around and like just kind of like tried to find work as I could. Um, mm-hmm. and like online, like browsing. Yeah. And yeah. just through friends and, and yeah. you know, network and whatnot. Um, and I still did that remote, um, that remote job. Okay. Um, huh. And honestly, I... then, then after I was always kind of looking for work, and then it took me until probably almost like August. Um, so like May, like the entire summer, hmm. which could have also been a lazy factor, but, um, but um, it took me till August to find the, the, actually it was an internship at this creative agency and production company. Hmm. Um, uh, um, which, I mean, I was interested in initially because to mm-hmm. back up uh, into my college time, part of like, you know, I did, I, um, I did a lot of like extracurricular activities in, mm. in, in, at Oberlin. Um, one of which was, I was a student Senator, which was pretty hilarious. Um, mm. and which was a great job, but also like, yeah. Student Senator. Of, Damn. Yeah. Kind of, a kind of like chaotic. Um, to say the least, um, I wasn't very organized and I just didn't think that it really, it was, it was bureaucratic for almost, I mean, not no reason, but it's just like, mm. there was not much that they could get done in my did you, have to, did you have to go through like election and stuff? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was one, uh, mm-hmm. I worked at a, the resource conservation team, which ran, you know, operated this like essentially like a free store where people could bring in hmm. goods and pick up other goods and whatnot. Um, you know, with no f- money exchange, right, um, right. Uh, a whole host of other things. But then another thing that I did was, um, my friends and I sort of started this, like, uh, you know, there wasn't any sort of like at many of these liberal arts colleges, at mm. least that our friends, that, 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 that our friends, um, we're going to that wasn't Oberlin. Like a lot of them had like a spring big concert mm-hmm, or yeah, whatnot. Yeah. And like Oberlin had really impressive musicians come, mm. you know, Yo-Yo Ma. Oh, like, really? Blind Boys yeah. of Alabama. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yo, mean, yo, dude, Ma, it, huh. Like there was some, nice. some, some really incredible concerts. Um, 
and it's partial and and also speakers like you know many like ton, a ton of like speakers who would come and give talks as well that were that were like no joke mm-hmm. um and so i think a lot of their funding for student programming was channeled through these things and i think but there was never really like a bigger sort of like campus wide music mm-hmm. event like they were all ticketed and all like limited capacity and my friends and i were like well we would love to try and I mean, there's the only, there was, there were limitations. Like we couldn't have the entire campus there. Um, Mm -hmm. but we tried to essentially like two parties Mm -hmm. short that were, um, that, that had, you know, a third or maybe even almost close to half of the student population attend. Um, and we utilized the conservatory, um, you know, the, the musicians from the conservatory and artists in the, you know, art department, um, um, to help like build the sets. And, you know, we, mm. we, it was, it was pretty immersive. It was, the, it was also in like the, I don't know, kind of like the golden ages of raving. <laughs> and okay. so they were definitely raves, but, but honestly it taught me a lot about like doing those, mm. doing those parties taught me a lot about ultimately what I ended up doing for the, you know, what I've, what I've been working in since I graduated essentially, um, which is like production because, you know, I would have to put together floor plans and schedules and I would have to meet with the local fire department fire chief to like, make sure that everything was according to the fire code and like navigate all the bureaucracies of the university or the institute, you know, the college institution um, in order to get the right permissions in order to like, what do you do with the trash? Like, can we make this an, a zero waste event? Is it all compostable? Like, right. um, where is the energy? Like literally, how are you powering everything? Right, um, right, right. Uh, you know, what outside light and sound company are you going to contract? You know, et cetera. It, the list goes on. I mean, you know, so, so, organizing so an just event. having to like, having to figure out how, you know, cause a lot of work goes into the, those types of bigger parties. And so, um, just figuring that out, um, trial by fire, not knowing, but just learning on the job, so to speak. Um, I mean, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. So I, when, you know, finally flash forward to, you know, August of 2015, when I ended up getting this internship at this creative agency and production company, mm-hmm. I reached out to them because they do like, small festivals, similar size parties to the ones that I was doing in college. And like, you know, I was like, I wanted to work for them and work on their like event. Yeah. 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 Um, because they had a, I mean, it was a very small business at the time that I joined, which like 15 people maybe or so. Um, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to help them on the event side and they said, um, we'd love to bring you on as an intern paying you fucking pretty much. I think it was $10 a day. They were, they were, they were giving me like essentially my Metro card and a fucking halal part lunch. (laughs) which that's pretty halal why halal well just like i mean or like a you know just like a cart lunch right right right. um in new york you have like the halal carts that like okay you can get you know like chicken rice and i see i see some watered down vegetables for like five dollars or something um Mm. and it's like fucking you know big yeah yeah, it's big um you're like yeah i'll I'll take that deal yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's definitely not good for you. But yeah, yeah. It, t- it, however bad for you it is, it tastes yeah. 
it, like just it tastes yeah, uh, yeah. anyway i don't really know what i'm saying but um so they said yeah we'll bring you on as an yeah. intern but we want you to help out the one producer film producer who's working here and i was like sure you know just because i was like i'll do anything to get my foot in the door i was like yeah, yeah, yeah. sure i'm down but um i just want to be clear that i don't know anything about this mm-hmm. and they're like it doesn't really matter and it didn't because they, they pretty much just had to be run around town pick up equipment mm. check out orders like you know do a lot of like runs so but on, on like, site not in the office. yeah on site and then like you know we need coffee we need lunch go get it da 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 you know um so i mean it really didn't matter that i didn't know anything about film production right because it just didn't yeah and i mean honestly i it, part of it is my part of it is like you know after a few months of interning yeah and really working i was i mean i was working there like pretty much i was working there five days a week unless i came up with another freelance job that offered right. me like a, a proper production assistant rate right um which i would then tell them like hey look i've got a um take this other job and I'm yeah, not yeah. going to come in on Thursday or Thursday and Friday because I have another job. Um, um, and it took mm. th- three or th- almost probably almost four months for them, for me to pretty much just be like, cause I had continued to have the conversation and they were having small business troubles, not troubles, but just like, you know, they were growing faster than they could manage and, yeah. and which is a good problem, but also like they just didn't really have any structure and any like, format or any mm-hmm. just any structure to like for hiring um mm-hmm. so i pretty much just had to like harass them into hiring me because i'm like look at this point three and a half months in yeah i could I, like i need to find like i need to have a job yeah a full-time job if i'm going to be working full-time and i'm happy for, i would like for it to be here but mm-hmm. if you can't pay me then i can't really like if you can't pay me a real salary i can't do this anymore right um and I kind of honestly like blew up at the one of the partners because I because he like after like face, weeks face to face yeah after yeah. weeks of like him saying okay yes we'll have a chat we'll have a yeah, chat yeah, it yeah. used to just it was just like essentially like in order to have that conversation yeah. I mean we were working in an office where there was no dividing no right, like right, an open right. office no dividing things like in order to have a conversation. A, like this type of conversation that needed to be private, like you would ultimately end up going to get coffee or just going for a walk right. or, you know, doing it out of the office, like mm-hmm. moving, like literally having the conversation while walking on the streets, yeah, passing random people. But that is essentially New York is like people just, there's no filter between somebody's personal or business life and like mm. yeah, the surrounding environment. But Anyway, he blew off this meeting that I was trying to essentially say, look, you need to hire me for, yeah, yeah. he blew it off for weeks on end. And then finally, when we were supposed to do it, at the end of some day or whatever, he was like, hey, I can't. And I was like, look, honestly, like, I, that's not acceptable. So yeah. we need to have this conversation and you need to figure out a way to do it. And I'll yeah. wait here until you can. And it kind of pissed him off. But essentially, like, I carried that energy into the conversation. And I was like, yeah. look, I want to work here. Yeah. I'm pretty, you know, it's pretty obvious how hard I've worked for you guys. Yeah. And it's also pretty obvious that it, that you've probably gotten the better of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yes, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, and like in that time you kind of had to pay your dues to get into production and you still do. I think that that's still the case. You people yeah. still have to pay their dues and you still have to work for free or cheap or find the right people and just grind to yeah. like 
get them to respect you and trust you. Cause that's ultimately what it is. It's like somebody's giving you X amount of dollars and they're like, make this commercial or put mm-hmm. this event on or, or, um, build a, this experiential mm-hmm. you know, thing. And like, whoever's giving you that money, you know, you obviously put together a plan and show yeah. them why you think that you are the best person to do it and why, like, this is how you want to do it. But like, mm-hmm. they're giving you that money and they're just like taking a blind hope that you'll get it done. And like, you will, because you mm-hmm. just have to, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's also part of the, you know, that, that for me personally is an issue with this industry, which is why I, you know, I'm kind mm-hmm. of trying to move away from it, which we can get to. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry. What, 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 what was that issue that you were just talking about? The issue is like, is that because they're just like, here's the money, get mm-hmm. it done. And every project is unique and different. There's a lot of stress that comes with that because like, Mm-mm-mm-mm. you have to like, every project is different and, and how, even though you learn and you mm-hmm. learn techniques and you learn how to structure, whether it be an event or how to structure a shoot, there are still different aspects that are no matter what the project is each project will have a new aspect and a new challenge see, you have to sort of figure out how to solve yeah, which yeah. is great but also like the time crunch exactly, and the financial exactly. constraints yeah yeah make it incredibly stressful yeah yeah um when you could because ultimately especially because i'm working i was you know especially talking about it in a commercial in, in mm-hmm. a way that in a, in a in a commercial sense in a way of like advertising you know somebody else's product mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they're the client and you need to like yeah no matter what the ask yeah. is like you have to meet the ask or exceed it you know mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean so they hired me which was okay. good um it took some took some kind of harsh stern words but to be honest with you it was good that, that i did that because it mm. i learned not only a valuable lesson in like that line of work, mm-hmm. which is negotiation and which is like being very straightforward and like stern with like what, like when I hire someone else, I'm mm. like, look, this is, this is how much money I have for you and you can take it or leave it. I think mm. the, I would prefer you to be the one to do it, but if it's not, if you don't want that, if you, if you need more mm. money, like I don't have it. So I would really like for you to do it. I have three other people that I'm going to call like I'll give you some time, think about it. But wait, anyway, wait. It, it, it forced me it, mm. like in pushing to get this and pushing for them to like actually hire me. It forced me to then, you know, I like, as I knew, I knew negotiation skills beforehand, but it really yeah, okay. solidified that in that line of work. And then on top of that, as t- you know, time passed and moved, you know, raises at this company became, you know, like yeah you know, another as, thing as, yeah as 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 like as it became like more valued and like raises were in order i also learned that i that i would bring every time i would have my year review or whatever i would bring yeah, yeah, yeah. every single i would tally every single budget that i or every single pro- project that i'd worked on and essentially said this is to the dollar how much money i've made you um, oh, I on see. every project that i've worked on and you can even, I'll even say, Hey, this is what my salary is subtracted from that. And this is still the profit that you're making. And I think that like, Oh, wow. you know, I think, I think that given the fact that, and also you can, and also these are the five projects that I think are really good work. 
mm. you know, not just about money making, but this is a project that I worked on that I thought like turned out really well mm. and is also going to win you more work in the future. So mm. um, it taught me, it taught me the importance of, 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 of being organized and being strategic in negotiation, so to speak. Um, mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, so, you know, then, um, flash forward to, I guess, February of 2018 and Alice finds out that she's going to, you know, I, mm. guess I shouldn't just say Alice cause if this is a podcast, you know, people don't yeah. know what that is, but, um, yeah, my, my partner, yeah. uh, was accepted into a PhD program, mm. um, at UCLA and, she was mm. also living in New York at the time. Um, and I kind of, you know, over the next couple of months, or maybe she was accepted actually earlier, maybe she was accepted in December or maybe it was February, but essentially within, by, by March, I told the, I told the company that I was working at March of 2018, I told that company that I would be moving to Los Angeles yeah. and I'd be happy to continue working for them if they wanted to keep me on. Yeah, and I would just handle all of their West Coast work and blah blah blah. Mm. Um, or come July, I mm -hmm. would be I'd be leaving. Um, and um, uh, again, it took them a little while to figure out what the fuck they wanted to do. Then mm. I kind of pushed and pushed them, and and they said no, thanks. We don't we don't really need your help in out, out in LA. And to be honest, mm. with you, it was probably for the best because I was pretty sick yeah. and tired of working for them. And so that at that point, and even before then, I just started reaching out to contacts that I had already made through working and also, working. Um, and you know, through friends and through, yeah, just, 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 just continuing to like try and get the next degree of separation, yeah. you know, and just speak to like somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, blah, 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 and just keep pushing that you mm. know, network chain just to like, just to sort of start to like open up some doors for me when I moved out here and then moved out here and. Uh, didn't work for a few months <laughs> and, and then, you know, I got one job, I got another job and they just started rolling. Um, and just, you know, pretty much was pretty consistent from, you know, the end of 2018 up until the last summer of 2019, where I kind of just pretty much, I'd worked so much that I pretty much just said, Oh, I'm not going to work. Yeah, yeah. And this is the benefit of being a freelance, but I pretty much just took from like, I mean, I took from like July through mid September. And mm. I mean, I, it was lucky because nobody honestly called me. So like right. I, it, the gods worked out. Like I didn't, I kind of set aside and planned mm. many travel things. And, you know, I didn't tell anybody that I wasn't going to take work because yeah. you don't have to do that. Obviously you don't have a boss, but, um, hmm. so how, but, how, yeah sorry sorry to cut you off how long so how long you were you working for this uh, production company um i was working for the production company like three years or yeah almost three years i think it was like two years and 10 months right. I guess. and then, and then you know it, it kind of sounds like you weren't really um like t totally like fond of uh working there um but uh, i mean it was like a love-hate relationship like i, I think that i think that like um, I learned a lot mm. and I think that I got to work on projects that because I proved myself and because I like kept pushing for more responsibility, mm -hmm. you know, week in, week out. Um, I, by the end of it was working on projects that I, you know, I, I would look around and 
you know, for example, I can remember one specific project that was like Calvin Klein, um, like their runway show. And I remember being in a meeting and, and probably speaking a good, I was one of the bigger voice, like one of the mm. bigger voices in the meeting. And I looked around this fucking big conference table at Calvin Klein and I was 25 and nobody was under 35. Like, so mm. I knew that honestly, that moment yeah. was like, damn, I can't fault that company because they gave me a lot. Yeah. I mean, they, they had a similar work ethic and they had a very similar approach to the creative industry. Mm. Um, and they were all young. So it, it wasn't like I was the young person at yeah. that business particularly. And, and it's a young field, but also, you know, there are certainly older people in the brands and whatnot. But, you know, while I was, I was fond of, you know, the rush of finishing a four day mm. shoot for Nike or whatever. And mm. being for me, I don't really handle much post-production, you know, the mm -hmm. editing and all that shit. So for me, when I, you know, finishing a four day shoot, knowing that it went pretty much perfectly, yeah. any problems and that everything, the director is happy, the client's happy, mm. everybody's happy. Like that moment, yeah. the stress leading up to it, making sure, because you have to like, you spend so much time troubleshooting every yeah. second of the day, literally seconds in, in, in the day, that the, that the moment that you, finish on whatever the final day is there's it's an amazing feeling i mean there's yeah. like you're so exhausted and the whole crew is exhausted but it's it's very often that on these shoots you could have been working for five days straight 12 hours 15 hours a day 16 mm. hours a day and on the fifth day of your 14 hour you know 14 hour days fifth mm. day in a row everyone still has enough energy to go out and like party until Excellent. the bars close because they're just like riding the high of being of having accomplished that as a team so um, it, was like, it was a pretty crazy hours too yeah i mean yeah so it was like that, that like the job itself yeah is like i appreciate the job yeah and i appreciate um like i just i appreciate what what like what the results are and like mm, what the you know mm. but like getting there and like the process of getting there is incredibly stressful mm. and it also is incredibly time consuming um, I, see. I see and it le it leaves very little time mm. for you to focus on yourself yeah i bet I you know bet. and yeah. for you to like d invest your time in your own yeah well-being you know so it's a trade-off, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, even in even doing it freelance, you still mm -hmm. have that. I mean, it's just like, I can't really bitch about it when I'm on the job because it's like, I mean, I probably, maybe I haven't worked for two weeks before that. So it's like, I'm a little bit fresher when I enter a job mm -hmm. now because, you know, mm -hmm, unless mm -hmm. I've been on a streak of working project after project after mm -hmm. project, um, you know, I might have had two weeks off before I start this new project that'll be mm. two or three weeks. And yes, I'm going to have to work every day for three weeks straight and, you know, long hours, but I'm a little bit fresher than I was when I was working full time. And that just never ended, you know, mm -hmm, it was just a mm -hmm. never ending cycle of like, of these, you know, long days. So I That's definitely a love, it's definitely a love hate. And I mean, I think that like, to bring us up to speed now, like, mm. you know, given the, the, you know, coronavirus, global mm -hmm. pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for years I've been like 
kind of having these feelings that I'm talking to you about now in terms of like not loving what I do. Um, mm, and, and, and mm. most, and, and I think it's because I, it brings a lot of stress and because I do it in a commercial fashion and because mm. it's like, mm-hmm. because it's like everything, you know, everything that I, that I make is like viewed for, mm you know, it's like, it's up on somebody's Instagram feed for, mm. they might not even watch it. Like it, mm-hmm. it'll pass their eye. Maybe they'll watch it. Maybe they'll see a quarter of it. Maybe they'll see all of it. But even if they see all of it, it's gone. It pretty, yeah. I mean, yes, it lives on and exists outside of it, but it's gone within yeah, the day, within mean. the hour, within the minute. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yes, that's different in like filmmaking, for example, or television, right? I mean, people that those, mm-hmm. those create cultural moments that, and have it have their own history and have the you know people rewatch it and it's like yeah it's different i mean it's mm-hmm. narrative work documentary i mean that's different that's a different world i mean so, so your production company kind of focused on commercials and has mm-hmm. i see I definitely see. i mean i've done i've done um you know i've done passion projects mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, i've mm-hmm. done you know which is fun i mean those are the best because um you're trying to put together something just for the mm. just mm. just to make something great not not yeah. for any other you know i mean obviously there might be underlying messages behind the art mm-hmm. itself but um you're from my perspective as a producer or an executive producer in those situations mm-hmm. um you know you're helping to you're helping to i know you know you're helping to realize somebody's vision whether it be the writer or the director Mm. you're helping to realize their vision for for the purpose of their own message and their own individual artistic expression as opposed to like that same person you know writer or director Mm. as you know in a commercial setting for me as a producer i'm helping to realize their vision to make the make the brand money you know Yeah, yeah um so yeah, I mean, you know, flash forward COVID-19 mm-hmm. times and yeah. I mean, there's pretty much no very I mean, I think it's slowly opening up and I think there are people mm-hmm. who throughout this have probably found work and found new ways of 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 work whether it be, you know, unscripted, you know, reality TV shit um or um you know, like I, I see so many different calls for like Twitch producers or like, what you know, Twitch? Twitch is like, um, it's like a streaming service, uh, well, not a streaming okay, service okay. but it's like a, it's like a, it's like, um, you, I mean, it started, I guess, people watching people play video games. And I, then, see, like, you I know, see, I see, I see. You can have like a little, like the person playing the video game has like a little, like, yeah webcam that they also you know maybe maybe they webcam maybe they don't um but now twitch i mean it's that's the root of it but you know Mm. there are like it's it's like essentially a platform for live streaming exactly which is kind of popular nowadays with the corona yeah 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 Yeah, for sure um so there's definitely been i mean there's certainly been some work but there's really not like i haven't i've i've touched base with some yeah. of the contacts yeah. here and there just to check in like on more of like a friend manner to be like, mm-hmm. Hey, how are you doing? Like, how are you holding up? Um, but like nobody's hit me up for work. In, is it, is it, is, is, months, so. is it because 
I mean, I guess it's not really specific to um, your industry that's kind of facing this uh, difficulty. But yeah, I mean, I think it... all industries are facing it. But I think for mine specifically, yeah. why is that? And, and well, that's because it's like hmm. it takes it requires hmm. manpower, humans. Hmm. Like hmm. we're not, you know, it's not like you're just building an app or you're sitting behind a computer. Yeah, it's like yeah, no, yeah. I mean even if you're in a studio, that studio is a confined space, right? Like they, they probably had a, hopefully a good ventilation, okay, but okay, a lot see, of what see. I do is not in a studio, which uh, granted shooting outside, not as bad, right? In mm. this situation, but still shooting outside is not as bad for me who can stand mm. 40 feet away from the camera. And I don't, I have no, my role, I don't need to be near the camera. I mean, sometimes mm. yeah, but like most of the time I'm far, I'm trying to be as far away from the camera as I can because by the time we've gotten to the shoot day, if I've done my job right, I shouldn't have to do anything to a certain right. degree. I mean, depending on the size of my crew, right? I mean, mm -hmm, if I have a mm -hmm. very big crew, I'm, they, everybody should know what they have to do. And if there's a problem, yeah, I can help you solve it. But to a certain extent, like you've got the schedule, you've got everything you need, and I'm there to like help move it along mm -hmm. in, in whatever capacity mm -hmm. I need to. But but the point is, is for me, it's not an issue, right? But it, but what is it an issue for? It's an issue for the person who's holding the camera. And then there's like somebody who's literally standing next to that, right next to that person who's control, who's, who's punching in the different camera settings or who's, who's, who's using the focus wheel to, to pull the focus on the mm. camera. Um, or like people who are move, moving lights or moving heavy equipment standing next yeah. to each other because they're both holding the same piece of equipment. I mean, it's, so it's like you're literally on top of each other, breathing in each other's faces. And I mean, it's outside of, you know, um, outside of, mm. of, uh, this pandemic, there are many cases where, especially like on a movie set, which is a mm. much longer process month, months, you know, a month, if not months, there are many cases of like a flu coming through and like knocking a whole movie set out. You know what I mean? Like, gotcha, because everybody okay, is yeah. eating, sharing, you know, you go and you eat lunch and the way, you know, you eat lunch and it's buffet style. Everybody's taking their thing and walking through the lunch line. So there's just, you're always in close contact. So, I mean, again, there are, I've heard little bits and pieces of very, very small, like tiny, like documentary style, Mm -hmm. shoots that have taken place throughout coronavirus right. um but to be honest with you that usually requires more like physical labor for the producer which i'm not against but mm -hmm. i'm kind of at the point where i'm like i don't really particularly uh, i just am like i've carried my fair share of cases yeah. in my life and i don't really want to carry anybody many more lights in cases and right. in these, these smaller shoots yeah, like yeah. that's what i would need to do and it's not to say that i wouldn't do it but it like it mm. again it's not it's just like you can like the quality of what you're getting there for me is not worth the time or the, or the or the or the the, the money the, so the pay. i guess so, it's, just, it's just really difficult to maintain social distancing and uh production setting yeah and that's in, okay. in short yeah, yeah yeah i mean it yeah there's i mean and again i think there's i've read some articles like you know i, I think there was a a film that or a tv show maybe i don't know i think it was a tv show maybe that was shooting in iceland which again obviously iceland is has an advantage given mm. it's like proximity you know it's it's isolation to the rest of the world yeah, and definitely i mean you know it's this country of three hundred thousand people who 
joking, but they're all cousins. So, you know, I mean, um, so I think in that circumstance, they were able to essentially like assign different arm, Mm. like wrap a wrap a color band around around certain people's arms. Like all of the camera people had a red arm, a red band, all of the hair and makeup had a green band. And it's like, you can only be close together with the people who share that band. Mm. Um, so, mm. I mean, again, I think people are like, people are trying to come up with creative solutions. Yeah. For yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, I think by the time we get out of this, I mean, I think we'll be out of it hopefully in the next year, but by the yeah. time we get out of it, all these creative solutions, I mean, maybe there'll, there will be some long-term mm. benefits to have, I mean, certainly when we come up with an coming up against another pandemic, mm-hmm. maybe they'll maybe these these creative solutions will will be worthwhile, or the or will be, uh, yeah, yeah, will be will be will be able to be used. But I think that given mm. my my own personal perspective on the trajectory of this yeah, virus okay. pandemic. Um, uh, I just think about that, like in a in in a months, if not year, we'll be mm. probably back to normal, so to speak. I mean, who knows? Okay, you know? okay. But, um, so by the time you know, by the time that we've perfected this like mm-hmm. pandemic-proof production, we very well could be. Out, out of the pandemic i mean but again i don't know i don't know yeah, I mean, yeah it seems like at least in the u.s things are starting to open up and you know i don't know if that's going to mean work but um right <laughs> but personally i mean again so it brings me to the point of like for a while i've not been thrilled about this line of work and so mm-hmm, it's kind of forced me into really taking a serious look at Mm, 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 look mm, inside mm. myself and then like and and just trying things and like occupying my time yeah yeah way um to kind of like this has kind of forced me and forced i just kind of jump-started that process which i was kind of like teetering on the edge of for probably years um uh um and this has definitely forced me to uh, mm, mm, mm. like sort of dive into it. And so, I mean, you know, hopefully, I don't know, we'll see. I mean, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, I mean, hopefully it's something that I, I'm able to like find a, find a way to pursue, which is, you know, which is yeah, you know, th- yeah. this thing is at, at this point, point, I'm, I think it would, I'd like to pursue architecture and hopefully, mm. hopefully it's, there's a, you know, I'm going to work hard and hopefully there's like, there are ways mm-hmm, for me mm-hmm. to find my footing in that field. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I think that this sort of pandemic situation has kind of like forced the issue, so to speak, which I honestly is not the worst. It's really mm-hmm, not the worst thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I feel you know, it is a terrible thing, but for me personally, it's kind of the timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It seems, I was going to ask you, I guess like one of the last, uh, the last, subject that i want to touch on is you know um this coronavirus situation um Mm. i guess people in la like you said in the very beginning kind of uh um spend a lot of time um, in home in house anyway um Mm. but 
we are all, all kind of forced to do that regardless of where you live in the world at the moment. Um, right. And personally, yeah, um, it, it, it has given me a lot of time to uh, think of my uh, next move. I mean, you know, it's, it's really difficult to kind of make a concrete plan again because of the coronavirus, but sure. um, just, just reflect on the past two and a half years for me or even in university, how I was spending time. Um, and yeah, just reflecting. Um, it's a lot of self-reflection. Uh, and guess what I'm trying to ask you is, um, sorry, my mind just is kind of going blank. Um, cause you said art, you know, you said architect, uh, architecture, mm-hmm. that you want to become an architect or maybe, um, has, you know, you wanted to become our, become an architect or just kind of enter that field. Did that have, have anything to do with, um, uh, the, the amount of time you had to reflect, uh, uh, yourself or, uh, um, setting up your priorities, like what your values are. And, um, did you always wanted to become, uh, had that, uh, you know, be, becoming an architect in mind or that, um, kind of the time that coronavirus situation gave you, uh, maybe kind of reassess or, uh, really, um, yeah, sorry. Uh, my no, no, I get it. I, I mean, I, I guess in in um, uh, is it more sustainable kind of job or? Oh yeah, what? I mean that. I don't know. Mm. I, I think that. I, I mean, I'm not really doing. Honestly, I'm not. I'm not thinking about this in terms of like the marketability of the profession. Mm. I have many friends who like do that and who are like very like career driven and like yeah, yeah. take up computer science because it's a lucrative yeah, yeah, yeah. way to have a career and like mm-hmm. your your job security is like really great while i might be uh i mean maybe it's short-sighted for me to not do that but i honestly like i i personally like value my own like, I guess I in, mm, inherently, mm. like, I think I'm a creative person, but I mm. don't think that like, I'm a painter or like mm. a musician. Um, so I think that like, in being a producer, like, it's allowed me to sort of like, be creative, but also like, mostly like, just be like, control, like, have a control over creativity. Um, and so like, I don't personally like my I'm trying to my what I value is like finding a career or like mm. a finding a new angle that I enjoy like mm. intrinsically and I enjoy, you know, for, for just, I enjoy doing, um, mm. and like I, I, that, that also provides like a sort of creative outlet. Um, and so, because I, I also see, think I that see. like, if you, if you personally, I just think that if you work hard and get lucky, obviously, but if you work hard, like, your comfort, the comfort will come, you know, like you will become successful if you set your mind to it. And, you know, you just, I mean, it's certainly like, it's, I feel very vulnerable and pretty, um, you know, insecure at times in this moment Mm -hmm. of like, just being very out there and open with like myself and my loved ones and peers that I'm trying to like do 
something totally different. Um, but to take it to your question um, about like when I've had, when these, when do these desires start? I mean, mm. for like, and again, this will probably be something that like down the line, whether mm -hmm. I apply mm -hmm. to it, like a master's program yeah, or yeah. I'm applying to a, a job somewhere like this will probably be a, be part of my story so to speak but like mm -hmm. when I was 14 um the summer between I guess eighth grade and ninth grade mm. um my friend Taylor her father had like had a, had a contracting company in mm -hmm. um in Croton and around the Westchester County area where we would like rebuild or build build houses or renovate houses and whatnot and so when i was 14 the summer between eighth grade and ninth grade that was my like first real job um mm -hmm. like essentially working on these construction sites working as a carpenter's assistant like cutting the wood mm -hmm. keeping the, the site clean um helping carry wood everywhere etc cetera, etc cetera. and i mean that that you know and and even growing up, I've always been fascinated by sculpture and I've always been fascinated by public, like mm. public art and like public larger scale sculpture mm -hmm. and then buildings, et cetera. Like I've always had an, like I've always appreciated that. Mm. Um, um, and I think, you know, th like, so I think it's always like that, mm. those like, you know, and then even through university, like, like I mentioned before, like having mm -hmm. to draw floor plans for these events, which are, you know, you know, showing fire mm -hmm. exits, show, you know, very detailed floor plans that have to f pass fire code. They have to also be immersive and fun for the audience. I mean, they're certainly not like a, it's not like an opera house floor plan. Mm -hmm. It's not like a, a beautiful West coast, modern building floor plan, you know, but it's like trying to conceptualize and organize space. And so I don't think that like it's, I, I, and honestly, like part of the reason why I studied environmental mm. um, studies at Oberlin was because I kind of thought that it would be mm. more translatable towards design or architecture or sustainable oh, okay, okay. design. And I mean, it, you know, to a certain degree it was, but it's like a mm. very, mm. Oberlin in general was a very, very academically mm. oriented and like very theory driven institution I so i mean a lot of what i learned was really valuable but it wasn't necessarily like the most applicable or it wasn't like i could translate that to it wasn't like a translatable skill that i mm. learned like where it was like floor drawing a floor or drafting a floor plan or like you know or like i see i see you know sustainable engineering or something you know what i mean like so mm -mm. Okay. it's a long way to answer your question, which is that like, it's not, it's not like from a, from a kid. Yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I want to be a, I want to be a yeah, doctor yeah. or in this case, I want to be an architect. Like there are people who have that. And, mm. um, I'm, I don't think that like, I've never really had that for one thing in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so for, so for me, I think that, I mean, I don't really, I kind of don't really want to like keep shifting around. So I'm kind of I trying see, to like be I pretty see. delicate and like trying to like really make sure that I make this decision for yeah, the long yeah. run mm -hmm. um, because it's just not going to be sustainable in my life to like just keep moving and trying new industries. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, unless I just okay. end up on a fucking farm somewhere and want to become a craftsman, but which I might. But, Who knows? Yeah. Who but, knows? Um, 
So and it's always been it's always been there, though it's been yeah, latent. Yeah, yeah. It's been like kind of like not fully realized or not even fully, exactly exactly uh, understood. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it seems like I was just going to say, like, you always had that interest, um, uh, you know, right. in architecture or design, just floating around, whether it was conscious or subconscious, who knows. But sure. I feel like your experience in working in the production company um, and just the, the coronavirus situation kind of, I wouldn't say, like, guided towards uh, you to that interest, but kind of, like, um, maybe got, like, reemphasized that, uh, kind of refined that interest more or mm. so that... It, you kind of realized it even more. Uh, yeah, because definitely. the coronavirus gave you this time, gave you a lot of time to reflect um, just about yourself, your past working experience, what you enjoy, what you didn't, and maybe because yeah, it's the result of that, and uh, yeah, that that interest kind of got emphasized in your mind more. Definitely, yeah, and for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. I so see. I mean. That brings me to that brings me to pretty much today. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I see, I see. Um, yeah, I mean, I've now I'm just sort of mm. doing, you know, my own sort of self exploration um, of architecture and 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 you know through reading, through um, watching lectures, through uh, drawing. Sketching, mm-hmm. um, you know, watching YouTube mm-hmm. videos of. There's this guy that I came across recently. His name is Larry Hahn, and mm-hmm. he's uh, he had. I, it's not like I I I think he's actually passed away, but he um. Somebody uploaded a bunch of YouTube videos. He's like an old ma- He's like a master. He was a master carpenter and like a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think in California. Um, but um, I recently found like this series of essentially him like building a house from the ground up, like mm-hmm. and like I don't know if you're familiar with Bob Ross, who's like a, this no. painter guy who like would. Well, Bob Ross is like a he's like a painter who, but he would do like painting tutorials. Like he would mm-hmm. like set up the canvas on the on the, you know, record put set the camera up and then in the frame he would set up the canvas. And he would stand there and he would like teach you how to paint like the most majestic, beautiful landscape. Huh. Um, but he was like in his um, approach and in mm. his like, he was just like the most, he's like a very calm, soothing, mm. like just very, like just very soothing person. And, and, and a very like uh, just relaxing way to like mm. spend your time. Like I think like, I, there are people who I think, watch those Bob Ross painting videos, many people who just mm. watch them and are not like also painting. Right. 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 Like not even just, they're just watching him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's like, that dates, that predates the internet. That's like, that was like on cable television. But anyway, I'm drawing oh. the comparisons between the two because like Larry Hahn, the carpenter builds this house and like teaches you how to build a house, but in yeah. such a way that it's just like, you can tell that this man loves what he does so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so so just kind of mm-hmm. in a period of self exploration. I'm, I'm I'm just recently really, yeah. I, I've I've really been telling everybody that they should watch these Larry Hahn. Um, mm. uh, Is that on YouTube? Carpentry videos because it's yeah, it's on YouTube. Yeah. I'll send you some. Wow. Yeah, I'll um, check it out. Yeah. But yeah, no. Um, I hope kind of like listening to your story and maybe the listeners. I don't think there is isn't anyone yet, but. 
yeah, just it was really kind of for me because cool to understand um, how your current interest in um, you know wanting to become an architect or just it being being interested in that field uh, was influenced by your uh, past experience uh, working in a production company or um, and also mm. the time that that we all have right now well most of the people kind of yeah yeah led to um, you to uh, kind of realize re re in touch with uh, get re in touch with uh, that interest of yours which you always had uh, mm as a kid yeah and hmm yeah it was uh it's pretty cool to um uh an- analyze that and understand and yeah i mean it's uh i'm not uh you know hopefully mm-hmm. hopefully the listeners appreciate it i'm not sure <laughs> i don't know how much they're gonna get you know get out of it but uh make me sound good and uh yeah it was a good uh, episode yeah um but yeah, thanks for, thanks for, no, I appreciate, I appreciate, um, mm-hmm. I appreciate, you know, I'm not sure your, how to summarize it. But... And at some point, you know, I'd love to, you know, flip it back on you and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. ask you some questions as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's something you want to do now or if we should just sort of, you know, wait till the next episode, so to speak. Yeah, we can definitely uh, wait till the next episode. I guess we've been speaking for like hour and a half almost. So nice. Uh, yeah, it's well, probably, it's, there's a point at which you know the conversation starts to become uh, <laughs> you lose. There's diminishing, the diminishing, uh, diminishing returns. Yeah, well, um, I guess, I guess we can just keep talking on Zoom. But for now, I was just, uh, yeah, this will be the end to that episode.